This is episode number 041 of the Reno Slant. Don't ask me how it happened because I don't completely understand it, but Nevada is going to play some playoff baseball this weekend. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schaub. Man, I am pumped that we are not doing a Nevada baseball season recap this week. Air Force was not able to do it last week, and they were not able to sweep San Jose State. So the pack is in the Mountain West Conference Tournament this weekend. Adam and I will briefly touch on what went right for Nevada last weekend, and we'll certainly share some thoughts on the pack sneaking into the Mountain West Conference Tournament. And I mean it, sneaking into the Mountain West Conference Tournament. That thing is at Piccoli this weekend. So we have Nevada head coach TJ Bruce coming back on the show for the second time. We also had him on back in February before the first series of the week of the season, I should say. So certainly loved having him back on the podcast this week. How closely did he and the team follow Air Force San Jose State last weekend? What did he think uh, of the guys pulling out the necessary sweep at San Jose State two weeks ago? How does he feel about drawing Fresno in the opener on Thursday night? And what does the pack need to do to make a run this weekend? Adam and I are going to preview the Mountain West Conference Tournament at Piccoli. So what do we need to know about the tournament before it starts, about the field? What are the keys to Nevada making a run? We, de- we dig into that as well. And, of course, who is dogpiling this weekend at Piccoli with an NCAA tournament automatic bid in hand. For slants, games of the weekend, pro dudes, weekend plans, it's Memorial Day weekend, so as far as I'm concerned, it is officially the start of summer after this weekend. Social, more questions from you guys this week, and as always, we are getting out of here on Random Reno. Our iTunes five-star review of the week is, as always, is brought to you by our friends over at Toyabi Golf Club. Our Toyabi five-star review of the week this week comes from Curtis Bullock. Curtis says, by far the best sports podcast for all things Northern Nevada. My hardest decision of the week is waiting until I work Thursday morning to listen instead of when the pod drops on Wednesday night. These guys know the teams, the sports, and best of all, the area. The weekly guests are always fun and provide a ton of insight into the ongoing sports scene. We appreciate the love, Curtis, and thank you for including your Twitter Twitter handle in the review as well. So we will get in touch with you, and we are going to send you two free rounds at Toyabi Golf Club. Thank you to all of you who submitted an iTunes review this week. If you want to take a buddy to Toyabi for free next week, All you have to do is slide on over to our iTunes landing page, leave a quick five-star iTunes review. It takes literally, you could do it in a minute, and you will get in the running to be selected next week at the start of episode 042. And whether you're looking for a new course as summer starts to show up, I know it snowed at Tahoe this week, but summer is going to show up eventually in northern Nevada, or you're looking to play an incredible course again, Toyabi Golf Club is a quick drive down 395 South from Reno in Washoe Valley. 
Toyabi Golf Club is open to the public and was recently acquired by Duncan Golf Management. They're offering one of the best membership deals in Reno. I mean, you're, you're not going to beat this. Four golf courses for as little as $300 a month. I actually had a couple friends text me last week, like, is that, is that really the deal? That is really the deal. It includes Lake Ridge, Wolf Run, Dayton Valley, and Toyabi, unlimited carts, unlimited range balls, unlimited golf. It is the best way to up your game. So book your tee time today at toyabigolfclub.com. I did not go golfing again this past weekend, as I shared last week. I will not be going golfing again next weekend. It'll be the fifth straight weekend. I was at EDC last weekend, freezing my ass off. It was cold at EDC last weekend. And if you have been hitting the links, the links with more regularity than me, and that's not saying a lot, or you just want a new look on the golf course, you guys need to visit tipsyelves.com. Tipsy Elves wants to suit you up for life's biggest moments, for life's funnest moments. That certainly includes the golf course. It also means Zephyr. It means Sand Harbor. It means night in the country. It means all the crawls Reno has to offer. You want something fun to wear to those things? Tipsy Elves has you. We had a conversation with co-founder and Reed High School alum over in Sparks, Nick Morton, back on episode 017. I would certainly encourage you guys to check that out. You can complete your summer wardrobe today at tipsyelves.com. And when you do, make sure you use promo code SLANT20 for 20% off checkout. That's promo code SLANT20 for 20% off checkout at tipsyelves.com. We're going to touch on this briefly. We, we explained the playoff scenarios for Nevada last weekend, what needed to happen in the Air Force San Jose State Series, and the cards fell where they needed to for Nevada. Nevada snuck into the Mountain West Conference Tournament because of what happened in that series. Nevada was on bye last weekend, so it, it was in full scoreboard-watching mode. Uh, bro, we'll go to you quickly here before we hear from TJ. What is something you took away from the Air Force San Jose State Series and, and what it meant for Nevada? They've been bad enough to get their own slant at San Jose State while they're <laughs> bad. But you got to give them props for getting up. Because if you look at their last six games, their run production, one, two, two, eight. Yes, sir. Three, three, two. And that eight is what we needed. It's what Nevada needed to get in. So we don't really congratulate San Jose State a whole lot on this. They obviously catch way more grief than we give. But give them the props for game one. Yeah, well, I'll get into it here in a second. I just want to start by saying this. I have no idea how Nevada got in. I I, mean, I know we broke down the scenarios, and it, it makes sense now, but just talking big picture-wise, I don't know how Nevada got in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Nevada entering really playoff baseball season a month ago, and that's something we'll hear TJ talk about a little bit as well here shortly. But when we start talking about, okay, Nevada is in playoff baseball mode. Nevada got swept at home by Fresno, and the weekend before that, it lost two of three to Air Force. And after getting swept at home by Fresno, I thought it, I thought they were done. I, I didn't have a lot of faith that it was going to happen for them. And that made it six of eight games that they lost following sweeping the sweep of Oregon State. And the fact that they swept Oregon State and it didn't spark, you know, a string of a couple strong weekends in conference play and didn't really get them going in Mountain West play for me was surprising and certainly concerning I was like, mm-hmm. man, what it just speaks to 
college baseball, how, how it really is a, a day-to-day sport. It was just, it, it was weird. It's hard to imagine that they still got in. It's hard hard to describe it. I'm certainly glad they got in. Huge, huge ups to the guys for regrouping, going to San Jose State without a Mountain West Conference sweep to their name and sweeping San Jose State. Uh, they deserve a ton of credit. They're on the road. They're playing a team that's also fighting for his postseason fate. We talked about this last week. It was a gutsy, gutsy weekend for them. It's just hard to, at, at one point, I, I thought it was, it was done. And how do you think... Not. How do you how do you think uh, Air Force feels sitting on the couch this weekend? It's a little bit different because Nevada entered the season getting votes in the preseason poll. They were picked to finish second in the conference. They won the Mountain West regular season title last year. Nevada had far more expectations this year than Air Force. Not like Air Force was a, was dominant this year. Yeah, I'm not saying they're dominant, but I also know there's that expectation when you get to you know close to the finish line and you're right there, and then you know you do what you do against San Jose State of all schools. <laughs> no that question. Also, You're still frustrated. Also, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. all you need is to sweep San Jose State at home, and you win two of three. The one loss was in game one. You lose by one run. It's certainly frustrating. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been more frustrating, big picture, for Nevada not to get in, especially considering the fact that this Mountain West Conference tournament is at Bacoli. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that would have been the, the – that's the icing on the cake is that had they missed it. You know, sure. you're watching it from home. Sure. Anything else you got from from that weekend, that series? No, nope, just that was I was satisfied with it. I <laughs> would like San Jose State to win Game One. They won Game One. Uh, you know that's that's exactly what you want. You got it done Friday. You yep. didn't have to wait till you didn't have to wait till Sunday. So it was so nice that San Jose State won Game One. There mm-hmm. was not a lot of concern that San Jose State was going to sweep that series. So once San Jose State won Game One. It almost felt like, all right, Nevada's mm-hmm. in. Uh, yep. Because considering the fact that San Jose State entered that series losing 16 of 17 games, the concern was certainly the Air Force was going to sweep that weekend. So when San Jose State removes that possibility in game one, it was a huge sigh of relief. And outside mm-hmm. of that, there wasn't a lot of drama because game two went kind of how you'd anticipate. Air Force rolled. It was 12-3 and then 8-2. In game three on Saturday, Air Force was completely dominant in, in the next two games. So it was a really good thing San Jose State won game one because they were not even close at all in, in games two and three. And you mentioned you know their offensive breakout in game one scoring eight runs. Mm-hmm. Eight runs for them matched the high over their last 40 games. 40 games. They they scored eight a couple times. I think the most they scored, they scored 22 in a non-conference game way back at the start of the season. But then they had they didn't score more than eight the rest of the way. So, yeah, against Santa Clara, that game you're talking about. Yeah. Looking at the schedule right now. Otherwise, I have no clue. <laughs> uh, the last thing I'll say really quickly, and then we'll uh, transition to our, our conversation with TJ Bruce here. Generally speaking... This was not a great year for Mountain West baseball. And we'll see what happens with the Mountain West Conference tournament. And we'll see if whoever wins that tournament can maybe win a couple games in an NCAA regional, maybe surprise some people. Nevada went 14 and 16 in conference play this year. They, they didn't burn down any barns. And they were one win away from getting the three seed in the Mountain West Conference tournament. They actually tied with UNLV 
and lost the tiebreaker, I believe because Nevada got swept by Fresno and UNLV got at least one game off of Fresno this year. We've had a lot of fun at San Jose State's expense, not just this baseball season and, and their brutal stretch, but certainly in basketball and in football, while San Jose State is bad, we might have to incorporate that in some capacity over the course of the summer. But they were in first place for a large portion of, I don't want to say the whole first half of the conference season, but they were in first place for a little bit there and ended up losing 18 of 20 to end the season. You go from first place to out of the playoffs entirely, uh, that's that's shockingly terrible. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, Nevada is just incredibly fortunate that the Mountain West was in the situation that it was this year, and especially fortunate that Nevada lost four of six to an Air Force team that, again, was did not burn down any barns this year and still got in. That got really close to losing four of six to Air Force, really biting Nevada in the ass, and uh, fortunately that wasn't the case. And we get to talk about Nevada playing playoff baseball this weekend it would have been such a bummer, such a bummer if they don't get into that thing because we were talking about that like it was a done deal earlier in the season. Oh, yeah, they were going to get in. These are the times yeah. you're you're fortunate that San Jose's in the conference. <laughs> We've always been saying, get out, get out. This we're like, okay, we'll, we'll let you slide. We'll give you a pass this time. <laughs> San Jose State hurts the Mount West in a lot of ways, but it helped Nevada. <laughs> I could just think – baseball. I, I just think of the the meme with Rob Schneider, the, oh, no, we suck again. We suck again. <laughs> yeah, that, that was San Jose State's second half of the season. No question. Brutal. Brutal. Before we hear from Nevada head baseball coach TJ Bruce here, you know we need a shout-out. Silver and Blue Outfitters. Silver and Blue Outfitters is locally owned. It's locally operated by a Nevada graduate. It is the spot, the spot for officially licensed Nevada apparel you can hear our conversation with owner Mark Gladowski back on episode 023. I would encourage you guys to check that one out as well. If you have not heard that yet, they really have a fascinating story about how Silver and Blue Outfitters came to be. You can get some super sick JaVale McGee jerseys, some Ramon Sessions jerseys. They're all throwbacks. They're only 80 bucks, which really is a steal considering how sick those things are. Rock those things out to Tahoe this summer. You can pick them up at either the Meadowood Mall or campus locations, or you can visit Silver and Blue Outfitters. Dot com This month, once again, we've been doing this for a few months now, we're giving away another $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters, so you can certainly get one of those jerseys and still have a little bit left over. We launched a new contest this month. Before it was that you had to stop by one of the two locations, snap a selfie, post it, and tag us. It was maybe a little bit too complicated. We made it much simpler now. All you have to do is hop on over to our Twitter page, at the Reno Slant. Our pinned tweet at the very top of our feed is a $100 gift card graphic and tweet. Just retweet that thing, and you will be in for the money. We are doing the drawing next Friday. So not this coming Friday, but next Friday, we're doing the drawing for that thing on Instagram Live. So if you guys haven't had a chance to hop on over to our Twitter page and retweet that thing, I would certainly encourage you to do so. All right, let's get to our conversation with TJ Bruce. Nevada baseball snuck into the Mountain West Conference Tournament, literally snuck in, got some help from San Jose State last weekend as we spoke to. Uh, super fortunate to have TJ back on the podcast for the second time. Uh, if you have not been paying attention at all, and my guess is a lot of you who are listening have, 
Uh, Nevada does open the conference tournament Thursday. So if you're listening Wednesday tomorrow, if you're listening Thursday tonight, Thursday night against Mountain West regular season champ Fresno Epicoli. First pitch is at 6.30. Here's our conversation with TJ. TJ, we, we truly appreciate you making the time to come on again this week. So let me start by saying congrats on getting in because that was kind of scary. Oh, that was that we we made it interesting, didn't we? we kind of right down to the to the last last deal. You know, we were yeah. playing um, kind of playing playoff baseball for the last month because we put ourselves in that position and uh, proud of our guys and the way they did it. And uh, they they came out, you know, on the right end of things. Mm-hmm. It was a tough spot this past weekend with you guys being on bye and kind of your fate being out of your hands. So how closely were you watching or following the Air Force San Jose State, or were you doing, I don't want to see it, just let me know how it ends up when it's over? No, I think going into it, you try not to, you try, try to tell yourself that, that you're just going to, you know, not watch and pay attention. But, um, you know, we obviously did. We watched watched Thursday's game and then uh, watched quite a bit of Friday's game before, you know, then we ended up having practice. So I think I we had practice, uh, you know, about the fifth or sixth inning. So our trainer was kind of keeping me updated throughout the, uh, <laughs> throughout the, the practice day. So what what was what were the emotions as you're kind of getting updates on Friday on, on what's going on? Well, it was obviously good. You know, you just you just know that anything can happen at any time. So you're just trying to stay positive, and um, you know, we let our guys know at the end of practice. And um, ironic enough, as you could would expect, our heads were kind of during practice. So it uh, it was one of those days. You know, it was a great opportunity actually to work on being present. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I kind of took that from it, and um, I told the team that we got in at the end, and they were excited. And uh, but the excitement lasted, you know, about two minutes, and then it was like, hey, we got work to do. We gotta, you know, we gotta be able to to get present and, and finish the rest of practice, and mm-hmm. then um, get on to the next day. Sure, yeah, and talking about getting present, I mean, you guys are gonna have a big opportunity this coming weekend, and we will get there. But I do want to ask you, I mean, this wouldn't you wouldn't have. Put in that situation this weekend if you don't go to San Jose State the weekend before and pull off your first Mountain West Conference sweep of the year. Your staff held San Jose State to five total runs the entire weekend. What can you say about the effort from your guys on the bump that weekend? Because it wasn't like the bats were lighting it up. I mean, the arms were incredible that weekend. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought just our focus was was laser focused all weekend. I thought. Uh, you know, obviously the weekend before getting swept at home versus a good Fresno State team. And, uh, you know, we had to bounce back. So, actually, we go to Sac State on Tuesday. And we, ended up, we ended up losing in the eighth inning. You know, they were, we were up three to one. They scored three runs. So, now you've lost four in a row. And basically, really, the message, I mean, there, there's not a, a, a great message or a big motivational thing. I mean, the motivational tactic was, hey, you guys got to sweep. And yeah. the only way you're going to be able to do that is to be, is to go one pitch at a time. And I thought our guys did that, especially on the mound, you know, um, and, and what you would probably call the biggest weekend of the year for sure mm-hmm. um, for our guys. And uh, they stepped up. We, we, we overcame mistakes, um, some defensive miscues. I thought, as we call, we pitched out of problems. We got enough runs. And, um, 
you know, anytime you go into Sunday with an opportunity to sweep, I think the Sunday is always a little, a little bit of a funny day because uh, mm-hmm. you have the series won, but how do you keep that hunger? And uh, our guys did a good job. We went down early on Sunday, won nothing, and then we kind of battled back. And um, I'm proud of them. I'm proud for for how for their effort and how they gave themselves a chance to go win a conference tournament. They were awesome all year. They were especially awesome that week against San Jose State. I'm talking about your bullpen. Guys like Grant Ford, Shane Gustafson, yep. Bradley Bonifant. I mean, how, what can you say about what they've done for your group this year? Because from my perspective, paying attention down here in Vegas, I mean, I would say maybe bullpen has been, you know, collective team MVP this year. Yeah, you know, going into the season, I, I felt pretty good about our bullpen. I knew it was a strength of ours. Mm-hmm. Um you know, offensively, we've been okay. We've been up and down, really. And then yeah. our starting pitching, for the most part, has, has gave us a chance to win ball games. But I felt like we can match up out of the bullpen with, as you can see, I think we have uh, we, we have 12 guys over, over 15 innings just about, yeah. which is you don't see that a whole lot, I don't think. And um, they, they've been great. And really the key on Friday was how are we going to get the ball to our bullpen um, and, and you saw Friday, Anderson went five and, and some change. And then we went right to Grant Ford and he, he finished the rest of the game and brought Gomez back. Uh, he got brought Gomez back from a Tuesday start for two and a third or something like that. And then we ended up going to Ford at the end. So, um, they, they've been great all year. They, they kind of taken on their own persona too. It's, uh, it, it's fun. It, it's fun to be around those guys. Um, then they feed off each other. So it's almost like they're out dueling each other. You mentioned offensively, and one of the things I certainly want to ask you about, you said you kind of, you've been up and down offensively this year, and we've seen that. You've hit 48 home runs as a team. That's the top three in the Mountain West. How have you felt about being really kind of long ball reliant at times at the dish? You know, in all honesty, not not great, not comfortable. You know, it's not a mm-hmm. comfortable feeling. I think it's uh, – I, I think we got to do – obviously – we're one of the top leaders in our conference in home runs, but I would imagine we're one of the top leaders in our in, in the category of offensive strikeouts. Yeah, too. We have 462 punch outs, and that's not a that's a big number. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know it's kind of what it is. It's 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 been. I, I think now we've embraced it a little bit. Um, not saying that we're not trying to get better in a lot of different areas because we are, but you know it, it's kind of who our team is, and and we've. We've ran that kind of offense to that to that to who our our personnel is, and mm-hmm. I don't, you know, but it is a little uncomfortable knowing that it, you know you got to rely on that because as you know that thing. Just think about it. You play fifty three games and forty eight times. Other, so what's the numbers? If how are your numbers stacked up when you don't hit a home run, or right. you know how can how can we extend the lineup? Is what really what we look at. How can we extend the lineup and how can we try to manufacture runs when we don't have, you know, the power that day or, or whatnot. Right. And one of the guys who certainly is manufacturing runs and providing some power for you. So when we talked about in February, he was stepping into a new role really was Josh Samora who surprised yep. a lot of people as a freshman. And as you kind of talked about in February, it's going to be different for him this year because people knew who he was now. People are going to game plan for him. They're going to pitch around him. And he's kind of responded to sophomore year, batting three sixteen, eight home runs, lead the teams in RBIs with, with 38. How, how important has he been for you guys being in the situation you are now? 
you know, he's, he's been, he, you know, Josh is, is really confident in himself and, uh, you know, he believes in himself and the heart and he puts in all the work. And, uh, I think he's done a, a really good job embracing that role. We've kind of bat, we've kind of hit him in a lot of different areas or spots throughout mm-hmm. the lineup, trying to find a niche for him. And, um, when he was struggling and when he was, wasn't, uh, but I think he's embraced who he is and, um, you know, we've, we've had a lot of good guys step up on this team, and, and one of them being Josh, and another one's been Weston Hatton. I mean, being a, a, a senior and a guy that's kind of really taken on the leadership role of the team and the kind of the coach in the dugout, per se, and uh, he, he has 10 home runs and uh, playing an unbelievable right field. And uh, so, you know, that those – those guys have done a really good job. And then obviously the return of Foster has been a huge deal for us in our lineup. Uh, you know, Tyler Bosetti is, has been a mainstay at shortstop for the last six weeks or so. And uh, we, we've done, a, we've done a lot, a lot of good things. And some guys have done a, some really good job offensively. And, and I can't say enough about Marco either. Marco catching majority of our games, you know, and he's getting ready to strap it on for a few more. As mm-hmm. I told him today, hey man, you're not coming out, <laughs> so get those knees ready. And uh, but those guys, it, it's I think that's part of the rewarding part about being a coach is seeing these guys. You know, you, you demand a lot from them throughout the year, and um, you hold them accountable. You make them responsible, and then you kind of see their success, and sure. you see them grow into into people, uh, not people, but adults. Um, it's just fun to be around. When we had uh, Ryan Anderson uh, Ryan Anderson on a couple weeks ago, he also said that uh, Wes Hatton is one of the best cards players on the team. You know anything about that? <laughs> I don't not. I, I, I listen to that and I'm like, I I don't know if I, I don't even want to know anything. You know, it's like I don't I don't know these guys. Um, they like I said, they have a little different persona about them. I think each team does, and they uh, Wes. Wes has been just a leader in so many roles and just a way that somebody, people can go to, the younger guys can go to. He's been around our program for three years. Um, he just got his degree, and uh, it's always good to see their success. Sure. Uh, another name that's maybe been a little bit surprising in, just in terms of production is, is Jalen McLaughlin this year for you. Mm-hmm. Moving from shortstop to, to center field, he was hitting two fifty two as a sophomore this year. Almost a hundred points better, batting three forty-seven, and that includes the defensive shift from infield to outfield. Did you see any signs of a breakout coming from him this year? I mean, he kind of attributed to him singing in the batter's box when we had him on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, Jalen's. I mean, I, I think when you recruit these guys, you know, our relationship goes back four years, more than that, five years ago, just about, and. Um, when you recruit these guys, you tell them what your vision is and what you see in them, but it's really until they see it in themselves. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, and Jalen would probably tell you, I think it's really hard to play shortstop for me personally, more than anywhere else I would imagine. Um, and to run the system that we run, just I put a lot of stock on that shortstop position just from the guys that I've coached before, the Tulos, Longorias, Danny Espinosas, all these Kramers and Valekas and all these guys that are now playing on TV. Hmm. You know, I told Jalen that when he first got here, and he and the one thing he always did, man, he's, he embraced whatever we threw at him. Um, 
And then it was really, I went to him in the fall and I said, Hey, have you ever played center field? And, and, and I think he may have said, yeah, you know, maybe screwing around or in little league or something. But, um, <laughs> then we didn't make the move until February. Wow. So it was about 10 days prior to us opening at Texas state. Wow. So the first game at Texas state, you're like, gosh, okay. Did you give them a, you know, as a coach, did you give them enough time for success mm-hmm. there? Right. You know, and then I'm like, hey, we got to let, let's do it. He's athletic enough. He's smart enough. He's a baseball player. And I think I think any player more than anything else, that's the biggest compliment you can ever get. Are you a baseball player? And yep. that Jalen is. And uh, he's just coming to his own and he's he's doing it what everybody else believed in him. It may have taken him longer, shorter, whatever you want to call it to get there. But um, his success has been fun to watch and. Like I said, he's developed his own persona on who he is, and he believes in himself. And um, we have a great relationship, and it's fun to coach him. Yeah, I, I believe it. He was fun to have on the show as well. So if we do a little less reflecting and now a little bit more looking forward, uh, you, you, you mentioned that you know that had a tough last home series against Fresno, and then, of course, that's how the draw shakes out. You got Fresno again on Thursday night in, in the tournament opener. How, how do you feel about that draw? I mean, they're the best team in the conference. Um, I always believe that the team that wins the conference has the, you know, they have the background or they have the, you know, on the on the stat sheet it says that you played 30 games and you're the best team in the conference and mm-hmm. um, they won our conference and uh, so eventually it's gonna have you're gonna have to play them. Right. I mean, I, whether you play them first, second, third, whatever it doesn't matter. Um, they're obviously well coached and. Um, you know, Mike Basel does a fantastic job there, and those players, um, they're tough, and, and it's going to be a good matchup for us. I, I, having some familiarity with them, as they do with us, just a few weeks ago. So yeah. I think we're a different team than three weeks ago, and they're a different team than three weeks ago. So mm-hmm. um, it'll be good. I'm uh, looking forward to a great crowd and, and looking forward to Thursday night. Ryan Jensen and really the entire Fresno staff gave the sticks a pretty tough time in Reno for, yeah. for that series. I think it was six runs. You mentioned the strikeouts, 38 strikeouts that weekend. Are there any changes you can make to the offensive game plan or at this point in the season it come down to Jimmy's and Joe's? Yeah, I th- you know, I think there's always, I think there's always a little tweak. I don't think there's a whole lot of mechanical tweaks you do from here on out, but I think mm-hmm. there's a little tweak that you need to do and, um, you know, we'll, we've tried to hash those out over time, uh, you know, especially from a few weeks ago to now. But, hey, like I told the team the other day, playoff baseball is always about the players. Uh, yeah. I think the coaches need to take a back seat, so to speak. And uh, these guys got to play. And uh, I, I believe our team's in a good position to do that. And I, I believe that they want to play. Um, and I believe that, that we'll have a good show in this tournament. It almost goes without saying, but I feel like it's an obligatory question. You know, in, in the double elimination tournament format and considering how tough it can be when you go in a loser's bracket and, and the, after the first game, how important do you feel it is to try to get this first one? Well, I think, you know, obviously the first one's big, you know, no matter what, no matter what regional or super or Omaha, wherever mm-hmm. you're at, yeah. the first one's always big. Um but it's not the end of the world. I mean, I remember I remember you go back into Omaha in 98. You know, I remember that USC team losing that first game in 1998. And yeah. they rattled off whatever it was in a row. And they ended up eventually 
beating ASU in a barn burner, 21 to 15. And, <laughs> um, you know, so you, you got to really just focus on, on pitch to pitch, I think. And I think yeah. that's the way it's so easy to look forward and to speculate, right? That's kind of been the word that I've used quite a bit is speculating on different things. And, uh, you can't do that. You got to be present and win, lose, or draw on the first one or the second one or whatever it may be. You got to do your best, mm-hmm. your best job to get present and move forward. You mentioned that twenty-one fifteen score, and those can be kind of common in these tournaments. Yeah. You play in so many games, and that's why I feel like you guys are maybe an unusual four seed in the fact that we've kind of talked about your bullpen. That's a strength. You guys have a lot of dudes you can roll out there on the bump. You have to feel good at least about that. Certainly, that part of your squad going into the weekend. Yeah, we just got a ton of experience. I mean. It, you know, and whether it showed up throughout the 53 games we've played or not, it's a new season. And, uh, you know, Perry has played a lot. Jalen's played, obviously, in a lot of games here. Wes Hatton, Zamora, Bosetti, Keaton Smith, uh, Foster, Marco. I mean, if you go down, up and down the lineup, you're like, whoa, this, these guys have played in a lot of big games. Mm-hmm. They've won a conference championship. Some of them have won a multiple I mean, so, hey, they just got to go out and relax and have fun with this thing. You know, that's the biggest sure. deal. They got to be able to enjoy it. Um, the, I think our conference does a great job putting this stuff on, and um, they just got to enjoy it. And and they're prepared and, and trust their preparation and see what happens. Are you potentially planning on making any changes to the, the starting rotation this weekend? You know, well, I'm going to hammer that out today. I've kind of, you know, I've done some different things. I've talked to some mentors of mine. Uh, moving forward um so I, not sure yet um okay. so hopefully i'll have something by the end of the day and and uh, kind of see where we go we haven't changed the rotation all year you know so right. you would hate to you would hate to do it um now but the other side is too i remember my last year playing in 2004 weaver was our friday night starter and we started you know not that it, he wasn't a friday night starter but mm-hmm. we started jason vargas on, on Friday night in the first game and we ended up beating St. John's and then you then you're lined up then you went to Jared Weaver on Saturday who beat Stanford then Cesar Ramos on Sunday and you walked away with the win so yeah. it's not uncommon um, so we'll see we're, we're going to kind of get together as a staff and see what the best chance for sure. us is and then something else we talked about when we had you back on in February was the, the last five for you in the Mountain West Conference tournament you've ended up on the wrong side do, do you plan to address that at all this week, or are you going to try to ignore that and get the guys to focus solely on the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, they know they're not. They're not. Uh, you know, they're not oblivious to that stuff. They know we haven't. Uh, well, the last, yeah, the in seventeen we went zero and two, in eighteen we went zero and two, and then obviously we lost in the championship game in sixteen yep. uh, versus New Mexico. So they, they they're aware. Um, I would just hope my, my main goal for these guys is, is I don't know if it was pressure or whatever, but they have to just play. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing bigger than the. I mean, the most important day of the year is today at practice, and uh, we'll get to tomorrow when we get to tomorrow. But they just need to relax and play and, and trust everything they've done up to this point. And the last one for you, TJ. You yeah. got your guys are going to dogpile Epicoli on Saturday or Sunday if. I think the biggest thing for us is we got to be we got to be present and we got to stay present. That's that's going to be kind of the the 
the mantra for the weekend is you got to stay present because you're going to get, as Ken Revisa always said, you're going to get, you know, punched in the mouth. Uh, you're going to take blows. You're going to give blows, but you got the ability to be present will be the factor of the weekend. TJ, truly appreciate you taking the time to come on, especially with this being such a big week for you guys. Good luck this weekend. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. As always, we really appreciate TJ coming on the podcast, especially with such a big week and so much going on. Uh, some awesome stuff from him. Will we see changes to the starting rotation? I, I certainly asked him back on Monday. Apparently, they were making those decisions then. It sounds like they're, they were talking about it. So something certainly to keep our eye on this week. Hopefully, Nevada plays enough games this weekend where they may have to maybe think about some of those decisions. So let's just jump right into it. The Mountain West Conference Baseball Tournament starts this weekend, uh, Thursday. It's either going to end Saturday or Sunday, depending on if they get to the if game. Fresno is the Mountain West regular season champ. They're actually ranked right now 23rd or 25th, depending on what poll you're looking at. San Diego State finished second. UNLV was third. And Nevada was fourth. UNLV and Nevada actually tied for third. They split the regular season series. They both won two games. UNLV won the tiebreakers. So that's why UNLV gets the three seed. Nevada gets the four seed. So, bro, what uh, what's something we need to know in advance of this tournament? I'm going to start it off down in Southern California. Mm. The one thing with these tournaments, you know, everything's up for grabs. But you still got to pay attention to trends. Yeah. And I hate to I hate to go with this trend. And as soon as I saw a stat, I was ticked off. But the Aztecs are seeking the sixth conference championship in seven years. Yep. Obviously, the tournament winner gets the auto bid to the NCAA tournament. But uh, the interesting part, as one of the sites I was uh, reading was saying, that they're the number two seed and they've won the tournament. Uh, I don't know if it's four in a row as the two seed or just four in the last. Uh, uh, I think it's three times in the last four, some, something along those lines. But San Diego State is going to be a team to be looking out for. They just seem to be uh, the the pest in each of these Mountain West tournaments, whether it be basketball, baseball, anything. <laughs> they just really seem to be the nuisance of the of, of the of the uh, conference. So even though uh, Fresno was able to sneak it out or and win the regular season title, the San Diego State obviously. I mean, with only four teams, it's easier to pay attention to four than right. say ten. But San Diego State, obviously a fan or a pick favorite if you're looking trend wise. Yeah, they they've owned this tournament. You mentioned they're hoping to win it for the sixth time in seven years. That's pretty insane. The first thing I want to start with when it comes to this tournament, this is playoff baseball. Literally anything can happen, especially at the college game. We saw Nevada take two straight from Oregon State at Pecoli earlier this year. Baseball is a game where especially at the collegiate level, the better team doesn't always win, especially when it's a it's a one game and it's head-to-head. Obviously, you need to win a few games to, to win this thing, but it's win and advance the winner's bracket or lose and fall in the loser's bracket. You're not playing series against these teams. Anything can happen in this sort of format. That's why Major League Baseball playoffs are best of seven, and that's why the wildcard playing game is one game, and it's insane. You have no idea what's going to happen because anything can happen in one game when you're playing baseball. It just takes one strong pitching outing. It takes one untimely error. It takes one big swing, and it can totally change the complexion of a game. So uh, one of the things that, that you certainly hit on is San Diego State has gone on a run. 
the last few years. Over the last four years, actually, it's kind of funny. Or last three years. I should, no, last four years. We've seen Nevada as a one seed go two and out. We've seen Nevada as a four seed lose to the one seed. Um, you just you don't know what's going to happen in this sort of format. Uh, we've also seen Nevada advance the title game as a three seed back in 2016. So if you are discounting Nevada solely because they've had a kind of a bumpy year and largely just because they have a four next to their name, I would say that's ill-advised. Uh, the tournament shrunk to four teams. The Mountain West Conference Tournament back in 2017. This is the third straight year Nevada's in the 1-4 game. And I kind of just hit on this. But they lost as a one seed to UNLV last year after winning the Mountain West regular season title. And they lost as a four seed to one seed New Mexico in 2017. So just in the, the two years they've gone with this format, we've already seen the one seed go down. Uh, just unfortunately, it was Nevada. <laughs> yeah, I was going to piggy off that for my next point. Is I was going with the trends with San Diego State, but I'm going against the trends in regards to Nevada. Because if you look at the all-time record in the Mountain West Tournament, they're 8-12. and 12. Yeah. But like you said, all it takes is the 5th, 6th, 7th, whatever, late in the game, a blooper over somebody, start a rally, get things going. It really in, in the game of baseball, it really touches on of – I mean, I hate to copy you because it's, it's literally what I had written down, but it's, 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 it's just the way baseball is. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of those sports where weird things happen. You know, think of how Nevada even got into this tournament. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of luck, a lot of kind of just the pieces fell where they needed to fall. You know, San Jose State was able to get a victory. Who knew that was going to come? But right. that's all it takes. I mean, who knows? San, you get up to game one. I'm not going to say I'm overly confident or anything against them against Fresno, but it really – it just takes the they Fresno – star- yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. It's like say the Fresno starter, for whatever reason, he got a lack of sleep the night before, you know, struggles to get through the fourth or something like that. It's all it really takes. You just got to pound – you know, baseball is the game where weird chances and opportunities present themselves in yeah. moments like this for where sure. you wouldn't necessarily be finding it. Over the last eight years, we've talked about how dominant San Diego State has been in this tournament. Over the last eight years, only two teams have won the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Just two. I mean, San Diego State has hogged a lot of them. Uh, New Mexico is the only other team that's won a conference tournament. They've won three of the last eight. Uh, Last time they won it was back in 2016. So with New Mexico out of the field this year, that has to make San Diego State the favorite, considering how dominant they've been in this tournament. When you look at the big picture, uh, many people who maybe are unfamiliar with that statistic are going to look at Fresno and see what they did in the regular season and say, well, they have to be the favorite. They've won 9 of 10. They're playing well, too, right now. We saw them come to Reno and sweep Nevada a few weeks ago. San Diego State is not rolling into this thing. They've lost 4 of 6. Uh, kind of an interesting stat. I don't know if you saw this when you were clicking around. The last team not named New Mexico or Fresno to win the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Do you got a guess? Utah. TCU. TCU. TCU back in 2010. I think Utah won it in 2009. Mm. Uh, it, it was funny to look. It was funny to look at that. That it's been that long. 
since someone not named San Diego State or New Mexico won the Mountain West Conference tournament. So hopefully this is the year. Would be would be pretty freaking sweet considering how bumpy this year's been. If we could see maybe Nevada get it done, um, but we've seen a couple teams certainly run this tournament, and largely it's been San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not going to say this is going to work to Nevada's benefit. I'm going to say Nevada neutral. Okay. What type of climates would you consider Fresno, Vegas, and San Diego? Warmer, colder? Warmer, definitely. Warmer, yeah. How you look at the forecast this weekend? <laughs> Thursday is going to be ch- – it just happens to be right at this moment. Reno's getting a nice cold front. We're going to be high as low high low 60s on Thursday. We're getting showers on Friday, showers on Saturday, and showers on Sunday right now in the prediction. So whether or not even these games can go is going to be another question mark. But – the other aspect, I'm going to say, as long as it's a little chilly, I'm going to say, like again, Nevada neutral when it comes to cold fronts. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it helps them, but they're used to the weather. For those schools, I'm going to say, you know what? You get guys that are used to sitting on the beach down at Mission Beach in San Diego or running the strip in Vegas, and now all of a sudden they're dealing with high 50s and you know you got high tensions. Anything can happen in baseball. Um now I'm not like I said I'm not going to say the weather's going to help Nevada win the whole thing, but I'll just be curious to see if these teams you know play up to kind of how we've seen them play throughout the year more uh, more specifically Fresno because like you said San Diego State obviously hasn't been rolling UNLV hasn't really been you know nothing too outstanding but right. I think this I think the weather will kind of more equal equal the playing fields is how I'll say it'll be a factor for sure and shop squad that was my last point as well it was the weather you'd prefer that it'd be a, a nice weekend it would maybe encourage some folks who are maybe eh, do we want to go do we not want to go maybe encourage them to go mm-hmm. the weather is not gonna behave this weekend it's gonna be in the high 50s low 60s it's gonna be blustery there's gonna be showers the wind is per usual largely be largely going to be coming out of the west and the north, which means it's going to be blowing out Apicoli. And for a Nevada team, as we talked about with TJ, that has become reliant on the long ball at times offensively, you'd hope that they can maybe get some balls up in the jet stream because when they're not hitting long balls, when they're not putting the ball over the fence, they start to have a little bit more trouble. So maybe the weather can play uh, to Nevada's advantage a little bit. They're certainly not the only team in the Mountain West capable of hitting home runs. UNLV hits a ton as well. Um, something TJ talked about in terms of what the team needs to do this weekend is be present. And I will tell you, playing baseball when it's cold, when it's rainy, when it's windy, is not fun. Because you're not running around a ton. You're, sometimes you're playing the field and guys starting to throw some balls. You're starting to just wait around. You get a little stiff. You get a little bored. Then the wind's blowing in your face. It's not fun. So the guys are really going to have – this is going to be a really good test for not just Nevada, but for a lot of guys this weekend. If things start turning sideways, to not let weather be an excuse um, because there's a strong chance that it becomes a factor this weekend because it's it's not going to be a great weekend in Reno. Unfortunately, hopefully it doesn't deter too many fans. You would still hope that a lot can come out Thursday, the game's at night. So it'll be a little bit chillier, um, but you're not going to have the work excuse. It's going to be Thursday night. We can all go to the wall after. Uh, A lot of good things, so hopefully fans still show up. Uh, Completely unrelated here, some 
semi-breaking news. John Rothstein on Twitter, a source says Nevada will open the 2019-2020 season November 5th against Utah in Reno. The opponent is not necessarily breaking news. That was something that was announced at uh, the basketball dinner a few, was that a few weeks ago now? And there was some big news. We were all hoping that the big news was going to be Jordan Brown was returning. The big news that are playing <laughs> Utah in the opener. Uh, we already knew Utah was on the schedule. It's a nice opener. Uh, I guess the biggest thing there is the date. And that means that we can now officially start a countdown. There we go. Because I, I think it was, I think today, I think I saw it on Twitter that today marks 100 days until the football opener against Purdue. Mm, gimme, gimme. I need it. All right, we'll, we'll jump back to baseball here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are the keys for Nevada to go on a run this weekend? We know they're playing Fresno. We don't know who they're going to play in game two. We don't know who to play in game three. But just generally speaking, what do we need to see from Nevada this weekend if it's going to go on a run and potentially maybe steal that NCAA tournament berth? Well, before the start of even game one, when it comes to playoffs, anything that happened prior needs to be flushed. More so in the game of baseball. You cannot remember what – I don't care how you got in. I don't care who you beat, who you lost to. You're in. New season. So when Nevada, yeah, brand new season. So what Nevada needs to do initially is have that new season mentality. I mean, you look at the t- you look at who the, or how they fared up against the teams that are in the tournament. You got three and three against UNLV, two and four against San Diego State, and uh, oh, and uh, three against Fresno. Yeah, exactly. So you look at the way the preseason. Who cares? I don't care if you got five wins in those games. It's it's zero and zero in my book. Yeah. It's zero and zero, and it should be an zero and zero in their book. So it's just going to be kind of uh, in my mind is you got to flush everything prior. You're playing home games. You're right where you want to be. Start fresh. This one goes without saying. I mean, so, so do yours. I mean, these are some real baseball cliches here. Uh, but in the double elimination tournament format, game one is huge. We talked to TJ about this a little bit, and there, that doesn't mean you're eliminated. It doesn't mean you have no shot. It just gets incredibly difficult to climb up the loser's bracket, losing your first game. And so if Nevada is, is going to go on a run, I think there's going to be a lot of significance placed on what it can do Thursday night against Fresno. If they lose that one, they're going to have to win four straight elimination games. Four straight elimination games. And again, I don't want to say it's impossible, but that is brutal. That's an unbelievably tall task. So winning game one would be a huge deal for Nevada to go on a run. Uh, Ryan Jensen, Fresno's ace. We talked about him before the Fresno series. He's one of the best dudes in the Mountain West, he is 10-1 and this year. He's got an ERA of 3.09. He's got 89 strikeouts compared to just 24 free, pass, free passes, I should say. And opponents are hitting just 230 off of him. A couple weeks ago in Reno, he went seven innings, gave up six hits and three runs, uh, which is not one of his most dominant outings. The three runs came on a Caleb Foster three-run shot in the sixth inning. They got Nevada within 4-3 in that game. That was only the second home run that Ryan Jensen's allowed all year. It's still only the second home run he's allowed all year. For Nevada to advance to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2000, they're going to have to beat Ryan Jensen. Unless Fresno gets cute and tries to change up the rotation, I don't know why you would. He's been your Friday starter all year. He's clearly your dude. I fully expect him to get the ball 
on, on Thursday night, and Nevada's going to have to find a way to beat him, to get, get a couple balls up in the jet stream, whatever it is. Ryan Anderson's going to have to be nails, uh, assuming that he starts uh, on Thursday. They're going to have to find a way to solve Ryan Jensen, because if they don't, if they lose that game, as I mentioned, lo- winning four straight elimination games, it doesn't matter if you're at home. That's that's tough. So so winning game one Thursday night is going to be huge for this group. Massive. You mentioned his name. We'll say if he goes, Ryan Anderson on on Thursday. But more so, if you look at throughout the course of the season, when the starters only make it, you know, partially through the fourth, partially through the fifth, it kind of stretches out that relief crew we've had. Yep. And the, and the relievers have been the, with the dominant group. But what we've also seen is when they've had to throw more than, you know, wanted or than usual, there's also been times where they've been kind of pushed around a little bit. So I'm not going to – I don't want to put all my eggs in the basket and I don't want to, you know, bury the burden on whoever goes Thursday. Yeah. But whoever starts Thursday, obviously, that is also going to be huge. Because if you go around and start getting pushed around early – and then, you know, bring in the relie- bring in the relievers sooner. People start stretching out. Then you can start mm-hmm. burning burning people too early. People start getting tired. One thing that's been good is that Nevada's had the bye last week because they've had plenty of time to recover. So yep. if anybody's had these, yeah, maybe lingering injuries or, you know, kind of these little things that don't, you know, don't take you out of the game, but, you know, obviously are festering with you. This is the time Nevada's going to be fresh. The st- I, I just can't emphasize that the starter on Thursday will there's got to be a great outing. I'll, I'll go there too. It's something we talked about all year. It's something that John Ramey has talked about when he's been on the podcast that Nevada is not going to be your stereotypical four seed. When John was on, it was if they get in. But Nevada has a stacked bullpen. They got a number of dudes in there. They have depth in there. In these double elimination tournaments where you're playing a bunch of games in a short amount of time, and these are high leverage games, high leverage situations. Nevada is in a unique situation where it is prepared for this. It, it has the bullpen arms. It has the bullpen depth. If you look at Nevada's stats uh, for, for arms, you look at the bullpen, and it's like, dude, 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 dude. They, they all have ERAs of, of four or less or maybe a little bit north, but they've just been nails for, for the team this year. So one of the things I want to say certainly is a key for Nevada this weekend it's something TJ talked about a little bit as well, is getting the ball to the bullpen, ideally with a lead. You don't want to get to the bullpen in the second inning because that means something went terribly south in the first. So mm-hmm. handing the ball to Nevada or to the bullpen with a lead, if you can get five, six innings out of your starters, awesome. If you can get to seven, that's a massive win. But getting the ball to the bullpen with a lead, the bullpen is the strength of this team. I think the bullpen has been the most consistent aspect of this team throughout the course of the season. You mentioned the bye last week, so everyone's rested coming this week. I mean, baseball is one of those sports that doesn't take a ton of time to recharge, but they had the entire week. They didn't. They haven't played a game since last Tuesday, I believe. They played Pacific and won that one nine two. So really, be, will be fascinating to see what the starters can do if they can pass the torch. With, with with a lead or at least in a, in a tie game, a one run game, let your bullpen work for you. Don't it'd obviously be unfortunate if you're just having to eat innings up with your bullpen because that means a couple things. You're getting useless. I don't want to say useless, but not really meaningful outings from your bullpen, and it means you're losing in a tournament format. So, uh, would love to see the bullpen get some meaningful innings this year and let them kind of do their thing when it matters most. It'll be super interesting also to see if maybe Grant Ford 
or any of the guys get a start. Um, it, that's something TJ talked about. They're maybe considering doing this week. I think Grant Ford pro- would probably be the, the first guy out of the bullpen they'd want to start. Do you want him to start a game and maybe have him try to go three and see if you can use him again later in the weekend? Uh, this is the time of year where you start to see some crazy things. Um, so we'll see. Did you have another key for Nevada this weekend? I was going to keep it short and sweet. You got to keep the sticks going. Got to get something moving. If you look going back to the start of the Fresno series back on May 3rd, the run production has been three, one, two, three, 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 three. Now, they scored nine in the last game at least. Yeah, I'm going to. Against Pacific. Yeah, against Pacific. We'll give them nine there. I don't know if you got your six run stat handy, but six runs would be (laughs) very nice to be putting up in the game one. I don't have it in front of me. I said it last week. I think it's eighteen and two, something along those lines. So you know I'll be. I have my my tweets ready to go if they score six or more. Again, <laughs> though, this is sort of a different weekend. Though I expect to, see, especially as the weekend goes on, start to get deeper into the bullpen, deeper into the pitching staff. You start to see those run totals climb. Um, so hopefully, six runs will be enough for Nevada, considering the depth in the bullpen. Uh, it's just one of those things. Again, we'll, we'll see. My last thing. I'm also going offensive. Runs would be great. And one of the ways you get there is by limiting strikeouts. Uh, Something that that TJ mentioned, the team has struck out a lot this year. 462 strikeouts as a team. That leads the Mountain West by a pretty wide margin. The the most strikeouts in the Mountain West as a collective unit. There are going to be some high leverage situations. And it's a missed opportunity if you're going down looking, you're going down swinging, and you're not putting any pressure at all on the defense because they feel it too in those high leverage spots. And if you're letting them off the hook, it's a missed opportunity. So we'd love to see the guys find a way to scratch and claw some ABs together instead of doing the the 180 back to the bullpen because that just makes it too easy for the defense. It feels like you're giving away outs. Those aren't productive outs. They're not doing anything for you. So some of the high strikeout guys, Keaton Smith, Nick Siemens, Wes Hatton, hopefully they can, they can fight off some pitches they can just lengthen some at-bats, keep those strikeouts down. We know what makes this offense go. We know that they rely on the long ball at times. And if you're, if you're fanning, you're certainly not depositing the ball beyond the fence. So hopefully they can they can foul away, fight out some pitches, and then earn that pitch over the plate and get up in the jet stream because the wind is going to be blowing out this weekend. That's going to be a huge thing for this team as well as is limiting the strikeouts because that was something that was a problem earlier in the year. We saw them start to right the ship a little bit as they started playing better in the middle of the year. And then, unfortunately, we've seen that thing pop back up. And it's going to be tough for them to make a run this weekend if they're striking out between 10 and 13 times a game, which is something we've we've seen in the last few weeks. And you know as well as I do is that going back to the weather, once it starts getting colder, routine stuff starts getting booted or at yep. least has a chance to get booted, so... Put it in play. That, that's, a, that's a good point as well. I mean, the defense for Nevada is something we haven't talked a lot about. They have one of the best fielding percentages in the Mountain West. They're playing on their turf. Usually get some true bounces there, but you know where the funky stuff is. You're playing on, on your field. So that would be another thing you think Nevada can maybe use to its advantage this weekend. The home field advantage, I, I haven't seen the stats. Chris Murray did put one out there. It hasn't been very strong when it comes to this tournament. You haven't seen the home team win a ton. And you just look back to 2015 when Nevada was 41 and 13. Had Austin Byler on that team. Byler was on the show last week, and Nevada went two in a barbecue. Um, so it certainly hasn't been particularly fun to Nevada 
as of late. So let's jump right into this. What is going down this weekend? I'm going to say Nevada finds a way to win game one. Okay. As a whole, though, I have a hard time going against trends. I'm a better. I'm a betting man. So I will say that San Diego State does find a way. To win everything? To win, to win the tournament. Okay. All right. Predicting a four-team double elimination tournament, if you're going on a game-by-game basis, is pretty brutal. Uh, I'll go with for Nevada. I'll say they lose to Fresno, beat UNLV, and then lose to Fresno again and, and finish third. I'll go there. This is, again, one of those things. I'm kind of picking against Nevada because I've done it the last two weeks, and it's worked out pretty well. So I'm just going to keep riding that train. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, so I would I would be super stoked if we get to do a Nevada baseball NCAA tournament regional preview next week. Not holding my breath, though. I'm with you. I'm also riding with San Diego State. Their past history is hard to ignore. Uh, so I'll, I'll say they win their sixth tournament title in seven years. That, that's certainly not what I'm rooting for, though. Let's jump on or jump into some slants. And you have been absolute nails Doing this, so we're not going to fix it if we ain't, if it ain't broke. We'll maybe mix it up a little bit next week. But uh, Adam doing his third read in Reno Slant history. Uh, take it away. The weather has been chillier, but those coats will need to come off. Ooh. So if you're looking for some fitness motivation, you need to check out Jake at Move Mint Nutrition in Reno. Like I said, it could also be in Sparks. But Jake will work with you on your custom fitness and nutrition plan. He provides sustainable weight loss that allows you to eat what you want when you want. When I was on the plan, I did have a couple Reese's, and you can fit those in there. It's great. I see the everyone pl- does like everyone who does his plan is always going like in and out, and oh, then posting pictures of their six pack in the mirror. Like, what is? Oh, dude, if you, if you schedule it, you can, I had it. It's perfect. Marcus was eating candy all day yesterday. There's there's a way it works. I don't know how he does <laughs> it, but he does it. But the plan is practical and proven. Strongly encourage you to check it out today. You got to visit MoveMint, M-I-N-T, nutrition.com or call 775-538-5555. Okay, so games of the weekend. We're starting to come to that point of the year. We're not quite there yet, but where it starts to get real hot, real sticky, and not a lot of sports going on. We still got a few things what what do you got your eyes on this weekend? Well, you obviously got Eastern Conference Finals. Everybody knows that's one of the last things left. Thursday, it's at Milwaukee. Saturday, it's at Toronto. There's nothing I want more than to see Drake pipe up for the rest of the NBA <laughs> playoffs. I'm getting so sick of him. He's like rubbing. The, will you see him like rubbing the coach's shoulders? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so. I mean, it's just classic Canada. They're just like, yep, let, let let it go, let it go. We're not gonna say anything. He's truly become their mascot. He he is the face of the Raptors franchise. Like when TNT like cuts at the end of the game, they do like their montage they did the other night. Drake was on there like six times. He was on there as they faded to black. He is like the Toronto Raptors right now. He gets more video time than I would I'd say half the starters. Outside of game time when, you know, clock's running. If you're doing those little flashbacks and those cool clips, like you just said, it's half the time it's Drake. Drake so, shows more emotion during a Giannis free throw than Kawhi Leonard has shown the entire playoffs. 
<laughs> did you see, by the way, did you see uh, Kwai's interview with uh, China news station or whatever it was? No. He was, again, interviewed by some, I think it was a Chinese or a Japanese reporter, one, something like that. And she asked him, like, oh, if he has anything to say to the to the fans. I can't remember where, but from whatever country it was. Yeah. And he does. He just goes, ni hao, and then walks away. Yeah, it's about on brand. Just saying hi. It's like, oh, my God, Kawhi. But aside aside from those conference finals, I'll let you I'll let you uh, I'll let you finish it up. I have no idea what to make of that Eastern Conference final series. I thought it was over after the first two games. Milwaukee looked good in one, game one, looked great in game two. Game three was a really fun game, but it's like, yeah, you can still see if Milwaukee's going to lose a game, like that's how you do it. Game four, I truly didn't understand. You think they'd come out fired up and they got their ass kicked? So I don't really know what to do. It seems like they figured out at least how to contain Giannis a little bit. So game five in Milwaukee is going to be interesting. Certainly a swing game for that series with that being tied 2-2. Something to look at now as that series, it seems like it's going to be a series and go maybe six or seven now, is Golden State is just sitting back with their heels up just watching. Uh, I mean, with with them sweeping Portland, it's going to be nine full days before the final starts for them between the game four when they swept Portland or completed the sweep against Portland because the finals don't start until not this Thursday, but next Thursday. That's a, that's a pretty lengthy layoff. And I, I don't want to brag because I'm wrong a lot, but I do believe there's someone on, on this here podcast who said the Warriors are going to sweep Portland. And it was a competitive sweep. I mean, Portland was up double digits, and I feel like every single game. But in game four, you have no KD. You have no Iggy. They're on the road. They're facing elimination. They were down 10 with like eight minutes left. Myers Leonard, who averages five points a game, scored like 25 in the first half. And they still won. They still won that game. It would have been so easy for them to say, ah, forget it. Let's go back to Golden State, and we'll wrap it up in five. They found a way to win that one. You can talk about their talent. Because even without KD and without Iggy, they're probably still one of the most talented teams in the NBA, if not the most talented team in the NBA. But really what I took away from that series is those guys just, they're a champion. Like they, they just know what it means to win. And that's not necessarily an original take or something that's super fresh. But when you watch them, it's so apparent that they just know how to win. And they know what it takes, and they find ways to win games. They find ways to pull things out of their hat. I hate Golden State. I'm ready for them to stop winning. I'm ready for there to be someone else. But you can admire who they are and what they do. And truthfully, I think they're more fun to watch without KD because then you get to see Steph start doing more of his stuff. And it's unbelievably frustrating when you're rooting for the other team. Uh, But the dude is just – we've – He's crazy to watch. Like what? What is Steph Curry? He he looks like a kid out there. He's doing stuff like you've never seen on an NBA court. He's hitting these ridiculous shots. Um, they're they're gonna run whoever wins the East. Yeah, that it's the same thing. I'm not a big Golden State guy either, but that's the also the fear is like when does this run end? But now seeing how they're playing without Katie on the court. It doesn't give me any confidence that they're going to be any worse when KD chooses wherever the hell wherever the hell he's going to choose. We, it, it actually almost makes me more scared because if you like you said if you look at the series against Portland, I can't remember if it was all four games or three of the four that they were trailing by ten plus at half, mm-hmm. and 
you look at the third quarter numbers and third quarter margins, and that's a, that's a lot of times when they pounce. But yep. I mean, you touched on it. They had the game in Game Four. Myers Leonard, you know, the guy who hasn't done anything all year, he hits his career high in the first half, career high in NBA and college. Yeah. And Golden State was still just like unfazed by it, still right in, and and found a way to win that game. Yeah. What's your? I was gonna ask. What's your? What's your opinion on that? That last shot of the game. I would like CJ to to shoot it honestly. Mm-hmm. Are you are you fine with going for the win? Yeah. You go for- yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, what, what are you gonna do? Go to go, and, go to and, overtime against Golden State. You you need and then you, you need and, to win four in a row. Yeah. Uh So I, I mean, I guess you got to win one before you win four. But even then, it was like you're not winning four in a row. Go go put go out with a bang. Your last home game. Let Dame get his thing. I I guess. But you knew he was hurt. I, I would like CJ to shoot it, but one of those things like after they shot it and they missed, it's like, eh, I mean, they weren't going to win the series anyway, so what am I yeah, going to yeah. be super upset <laughs> yeah. about it? Yeah, exactly. It's not like it was, for whatever reason, scenario, it was game six in Golden State and game seven was going to come back to Portland or something like that. But For sure. Okay, uh, let's transition now to some pro dudes. We'll start with the Aces, and then, then we'll talk some Reno 1868 and let Adam pull a soccer stat out of his hat. Um, what's something that you want to want to shout out about the Aces right now? Well, I got a little disappointment shout out. Wish they would give a little better performance. I was there on Thursday for the two dollar beer day, whatever it was. Like we said, was great it cold? deal. Oh, dude, it was freezing, freezing cold. Yep. I don't know if that I can't remember if that was the start of the cold front or the day before, but it got real cold, real fast. They ended up they dropped that game fourteen to five, I believe it what it was. Uh, Tacoma had I was looking at the stats Tacoma had 23 hits that night it's the it's the most the aces had allowed in um in that in the 2019 season so definitely not a hot game to be going to for an aces fan but as a Mariners slash Rainiers fan yeah I wasn't bad. angry I wasn't upset well I, saw, I, wasn't I upset. didn't I didn't know Kyle Seager was playing for the Rainiers right now so it's probably cool to see him it's actually funny. Marcus pointed that out because he was, you know, doing his little leg kicks over on third base or whatever. How he, his kind yeah. of body style, and I didn't really pick up on it first. And Marcus, you know, obviously Corey Seager's on the Dodgers was like, "Oh, is that Kyle?" And I was like, "Yeah, I didn't have my glasses on." I was like, "I don't know, it might be." And I look, and we were looking at the lineup, uh, the, uh, yeah, the batting order. I was like, "Oh crap, no way, that is Kyle." But um, yeah, I, I honestly didn't pay too much attention to how his game was, but it's always fun when you see some of those guys that have spent some time up in the bigs down in Reno. Definitely. You know? definitely. Uh, Sunday and Monday at Greater Nevada Field, you talk about Tacoma scoring, what was it, 14 runs on Thursday or 15 runs, whatever it was. Sunday and Monday at Greater Nevada Field, good Lord. This is the epitome of Pacific Coast League baseball. Uh, Sunday was an 18-9 Tacoma win. Monday was a 25-8 Reno win. <laughs> you You got some weird shit going on here. So in the two games... There were 60 total runs. There were 70 total hits. Two baseball games. 60 runs, 70 hits. Tacoma scored the 26 runs total in two games. Guess how many home runs they hit? Tacoma? Yeah. Uh, Let's go seven. Zero home runs. They did not hit a single home run. And they scored 26 runs in two games. That's like hard to do, actually actually more impressive than anything it really is it really is and on their way to scoring 25 runs on monday and just that one game 
Guess how many home runs the Aces hit? Do not give me another goose egg. I'll give you a goose egg with a one in front of it. They hit 10 home runs in one game. Woo! They also had six home runs in the first game. Who's the, throwing? The day Who? before. I Who's throwing? Know. Joe Pitching Machine. That's what I was going to say. That guy just comes in the ring. He's all pumped up. You know, he just got called up from double A. Just gets absolutely shelled in Reno. I was like, okay, send me back down. I'll voluntarily go. But on Sunday, Reno hits six home runs. Tacoma hits zero. Reno loses 18-9. The math doesn't add up. No, it does not. And then then you look more in the game on Monday. Yasmani Thomas, four for six, four home runs, eight ribbies. That's a good stat day. And despite uh, – Reno also had a guy hit for the cycle, by the way, in that game. Despite the craziness, 60 runs, 70 hits, two days, or two games, I should say. Mm-hmm. The games took three hours and 10 minutes on Sunday and three hours and 24 minutes on Monday. And all things considered, that's pretty quick. I say, how is that even possible? I don't know. With, with the amount of people trotting around the bases, I mean – they, obviously, they got the pitch clock, but that's not going to play that much of a. No, it's not going to be chopping an hour off the game. Yeah, I was truly expecting to look at those and see like some four hour and six sixty, but four hours like forty five minute games. Whoever the pitching coach and the head coach was must have just really limited the amount of visits to be like whatever, whatever stay, it doesn't matter at this point. Stay out there. <laughs> All right, anything else on the aces? Uh, little side note: Kevin Cron ends up he has hit his seventeenth home run. I think I mentioned it two episodes ago or one episode ago that, or one episode ago that he's been hitting a lot, so he continues his trek. Doesn't he have more than seventeen right now? Uh, could be. The article I read said seventeen. So the article's dated like a month ago. Dude, hey. Dude's hitting a lot of home runs. We know that. Yeah, it's more than me. I'll put it that way. <laughs> more than you. Uh, the last thing I'll say about the Aces, real quick before we transition to Reno 1868 FC, uh, they got two uh, games or two games into a quick four-game road trip in El Paso. Then they come back to Reno Saturday night for a four-game homestand versus Vegas. So the Vegas Aviators, first year of that franchise, and their really weird, really bad logo uh, coming to Reno. So obviously some rivalry there, Reno-Vegas. I always think, find it a little bit interesting that Reno and Vegas and the Pacific Coast League are in different divisions. Um, it's certainly an opportunity to to see Vegas play at Reno. I'm actually I'm really looking forward to going to a game at the new stadium in Summerlin. Um, it really is gorgeous. The location that it's in, uh, sweet setup. It's just if we don't go in the next two weeks here, I don't know when we will go because it's going to be 180 million degrees, and uh, I am not about that. Not about no. it. No, way too hot. Reno 1868 FC. What do you got? I'm going to start with my player bio. Yeah. Lindo Mafika. Can you guess what country he's from? No. South Africa. I wouldn't have got that. He's got three assists. He's boasting an 85% pass rate in his 24 starts. <laughs> now, in comparison to soccer, I don't know if Explain that's Explain the pass rate. I would love to hear your explanation of this. My assumption is that any pass qualifies for this pass rate. Because I don't know if you – I mean, like if you your, watch – Like your completion percentage in football? 
Yeah, basically like, okay. uh, you know, in football, like a quarterback, whether he's dishing it out into the flats or whether he's throwing an 80-yard bomb, you know, it's the completion Still percentage. Completion. They, they all play for the same thing. So I'm saying, you know, whether he's kicking it downfield or just a little side something to his buddy, 85%. Now that's pretty high. Sam Bradford. Like Sam Bradford. NFL it's record. It's a system, guys. all it is. The oh. midfielder, he was selected by the San Jose Earthquakes on April 6th with the 28th overall pick in the 2017 MLS Super Draft. When I now I read that, what's the between the Super Draft and the and the Mega Draft or the regular draft? Now I didn't look into that, but I'm going to assume. I'd be impressed su- if you knew that. They're the Super. Do you know? No, I have no idea. Okay, perfect. Then then my explanation is <laughs> going to work. <laughs> now the Super Draft, I'm going to assume is the regular thing. So I was going to give props to the MLS that not only did they not call their selection just a regular draft, they had to add the Super to the front, make it way more exciting. It so, is. I'm actually curious now. That's good. That's what I'm saying. Super draft. So I like it a whole lot. And <laughs> basically his background, he was a four-year starter at the University of South Florida, 16 goals while he was there. So um, he's had a pretty pretty successful career prior to coming to the 1868s, but also with an 85% pass rate, his success has been pretty good here as well. How many uh, clearances does he have? No stats on the clearances. Mm. We'll come back next week for that. But the clear, I was I was pretty curious about that because you know me, I love my clearances. Wait, clearances are important. We've identified that. <laughs> uh, talking collectively about the team, we said last week Reno was going to Tacoma, and the hope was certainly they'd be able to get three points because Tacoma stinks. They stink, and Reno was stuck with a one-one draw. And usually going on the road and getting a point is a good thing. And I don't know if we can make that argument in, in this situation because Tacoma is terrible. I mean, no way around it. I think that's that's pretty much a disappointing result at this point. You can make a very strong case that Tacoma is the very worst team in the 36-team USL. 36 teams, that's a lot of teams. They were 2-9 and nine without a draw entering that game. They had lost six straight games or, excuse me, matches. Yes, thank you. During that stretch, Tacoma was outscored 22-2. to What? Tacoma was outscored 22-2, to losing their last six matches. 22-2 to is obnoxious. It's terrible. So, you're on the road, sure, but with Reno being in fourth place... In the West, going to Tacoma and only getting a point is uh, it's a disappointing result. Still a ton of soccer to go. It always comes down to the last couple of weeks in terms of, or last couple of, last game even, depending on what seed you are. And so you would hope that maybe something like that doesn't make the difference between Reno playing a home playoff game and not playing a home playoff game. Uh, we'll see. All we know at this point is that a 1-1 draw against a team that was 2-9 and nine and had the worst goal differential in the entire USL uh, not great on paper as we sit here in, in late May. Yeah, my last point. I've been talking about the USL Championship Team of the Week, so I'm going to ride that wave again. The Reno 1868, their midfielder, Seth. I'm going to butcher it. Here we go. Casipo? Kis- Casipli. Casipli. He was named to the team this week. He had the assist in the 1-1 draw against Tacoma. Obviously not the result you want, but you get a player named to the Team of the Week. I'm going to sure. give him a shout out. Yeah, if you got 36 teams, that's a lot of players. You get a guy on there, that's nice. Uh, I, I mentioned that the result against Tacoma was frustrating. They actually almost lost that game. They, they were staring at an L for a while there. 
down one nothing for a lot of that game. And then your boy Seth Kasipoli hit a, a corner in the 83rd and Brian Brown headed it home. We've talked about Brian Brown uh, being the all-time leading scorer in Reno 1868 history. That was his seventh goal of the season. He's now tied for third in the entire USL when it comes to goals. But the fact that you were staring at an L against the worst team in, in the USL for a while was scary. Certainly nice that they could find a way to scratch one out and at least get a point because a loss would have been really disappointing. Can't say a win's a win, but a draw's a draw. No L. A, a draw in this case, I, you can make an argument, is an L. No. Unless I see that L, no L. <laughs> you got anything else? Nah, I just got those two. The last thing uh, I'll say really quick here, and then we'll get, we'll transition to weekend plans. Uh, as of recording, Reno was in fourth place in the West at 4-2-5, and five, so a lot of draws for Reno so far this year. 17 points. They're right in the thick of it. They're only four points back of first place New Mexico. They're actually on bye this weekend, so they do not play a game this weekend. They don't play again until next Saturday, and that's going to be a fun one because they're playing Vegas. So uh, Vegas AAA squad, Vegas USL squad, both coming to Greater Nevada field here in the near future. Reno last year against Vegas, three matches, went 1-0-2, so undefeated against Vegas, 1-0-1 at Greater Nevada field. And it's actually going to be Kevin Partita bobblehead giveaway Kevin is a local kid. He went to Sparks, played for Frank Avia over there, then went to UNLV. So pretty cool that Kevin is, is playing with Reno, and he will certainly get recognized. That's not this Saturday, though. That's next Saturday with the team on by. So uh, this coming weekend is Memorial Day weekend, three-day weekend. Before we transition to so- social here, uh, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm not sure if you know, but mom and dad are coming to town this I did, weekend. did know that. Didn't know that. So actually, plug here, we will be golfing at Toyabi on Sunday morning. Yep. Company be, man. Company man. I know what I do. I don't break I don't break my uh my binds. But so that'll be fun on Sunday morning. Other than that, it's gonna be kind of just a whole lot of fixing stuff up around the house. The yard's a little yellowish to yellow-ish. say. So yeah. maybe there might be a couple trips to Home Depot. I've seen on your Instagram story you've been making quite a few stops. I'm so sick of Home Depot. <laughs> gonna get a membership card here soon yeah. but other than that um probably just a lot of lounging i would say that it'd be nice for tahoe but as we've seen nope. the weekend it's not too good um uh, but then also depending on how nevada do how nevada does i might uh try and sneak up there so yeah you sneak, can go to a game you sneak up to one of the games so thursday thursday is gonna be tough because i'll be up actually in incline so this will when this drops so yeah whoever you're listening thursday night i'll be up in incline but i said they're gonna win Win on Thursday, so if they keep advancing, I'll hopefully uh, be able to sneak up to to Piccoli and at least get a game in. Do you still have uh, your Reno Slant Nevada credential, or have you lost that thing? Don't you worry, bud. When I saw them play Fresno earlier this season, I was credentialed out. (laughs) Uh, This weekend, I'm heading over to Big Bear for the first time ever. So it's a a lake. I I think it's in California. I truly don't know, but it's sort of a a mountainy area. Everyone here says it's gorgeous. I guess that's TBD. I haven't seen any pictures, so we'll see. But we're getting a cabin with a bunch of friends. Uh, should be a good time. A lot of white claw going down at Big Bear this weekend. It was funny. When we, when we booked the, the cabin, we obviously booked it months ago. The hope was Memorial Day weekend, late May. It'll be sunny out. We'll get the jet skis, go hang out on the water. Uh, that's not going to be the case. It, it snowed at Big Bear today. 
this weekend. The high is going to be in the, the 40s, low 50s. It's going to be getting down to the 20s at night. So safe to say that uh, we'll not be doing any jet skiing this weekend at, White, at uh, Big Bear. I was say you have to bring your snow pants and your uh, your board I, if you got it. I'm gonna have to literally bring like some winter-ish clothes and some sweatshirts. Um, oh well, well, we'll make the most of it for sure. Driving up Saturday morning, we'll be back Monday. Social, we got a few questions from you guys this week. A little quiet, but we certainly got a handful. We certainly appreciate you guys asking those questions. We'll start on Instagram. Marcus asks. If Adam could earn $100,000 if he didn't wear any Nike gear and only Adidas gear for a year, this is appropriate with Nevada switching from Nike to Adidas this year, could he do it? That's negative. Not only do I not have enough Adidas gear, but my ratio from Nike stuff to regular clothes is so far off that I'd be wearing the same shirt every other day. (laughs) For $100,000, yes, absolutely, no question. I'll, I'll go to the Adidas store and I'll drop a couple thousand dollars and, and be set. That said, I'm with you. I own a ton, a ton of Nike stuff. I'm wearing Nike socks and Nike shorts right now. Uh, but for 100k, yeah, that's sign me up. Where's the dotted line? <laughs> Bradley asks in the intro, intro to the podcast. It says award winning. So I'm assuming we're talking about uh, when I'm referred to as an award-winning sports writer. What was the award for? And did the rest of the team get the same award? So I don't <laughs> – the award was for – just to provide pull you guys behind the curtain a little bit. The Nevada Press Association hands out awards every year for a number of things, whether it's best story, best running feature, uh, best column. There's a number of different categories, and it depends you know, on the size of your paper and what outlet you're out or what outlet you're at, but I won a handful of awards for a, a couple stories that I wrote while I was at the Sparks Tribune, and I was fortunate enough, I believe it was 2016 and 2017, back-to-back years, for our division, I was named the columnist of the year for the state of Nevada, um, so kind of cool, that, that, that's certainly why I put that up there, it gives me a little bit of credibility, as far as did the rest of the team get the same award, uh, no. <laughs> I don't know what team that would be if it, you're talking about the Sparks Tribune team or, or what, but that was that was large. I, I certainly got support at the Sparks Tribune, but th- those were largely individual awards. Uh, on Twitter, Curtis asks, uh, what would be your baseball walk-up song and why? I picked Everybody by Logic. It's a great song. Gets me jacked up. I love it. I, when I was reading the question, I, you know, I can go. You can go a million different ways with it. Do you want to yep. be funny? Do you want to be serious? Do you want to yep. be like? You want to intimidate the pitcher? You want to be, a, you know, be lighthearted? But I just went with everybody by Logic because, like the song title, everybody gets up for it. So I truly have no idea what that song is. I'm gonna look it up well, real quick. Oh, well, once. <laughs> yeah, so you're right. You can go a couple different options here. You can go funny. You can go serious. It just depends on what you're trying to accomplish here with, with your walk-up song. And I went with one that's, uh, I don't want to say, I would say it's probably funnier. But uh, our last name, Shout sounds an awful lot like Shout. So I, I went with Shout, Shout, let it all out. Uh, JCF, uh, John Fremont, our boy, uh, would you rather be a great everyday player 
or an ace on a pitching staff? Talking baseball here, do you have a, a preference? Well, back in my day, no, I'm just uh, I, I think that it would be more fun to be the everyday guy just because you're always in the action, you're always playing. But as a onlooker thing, I, I also, I mean, I never pitched, so you can probably speak more to this. Mm-hmm. But as a pitching wise, I also think it'd be nice to, you know, you get a little break. You don't got to burn yourself out every day. You, the days where you're off days, you're just kind of chilling at the dugout. You're not necessarily, you know, dicking around, but you're not as tense as if sure. you were out in the game. But personally, I'd probably rather be an everyday guy. The answer for me is absolutely be the ace. You really play once a week. You get to kind of hang out. You get to be, be more mellow. And then when you do play, you're the guy. You get the ball in your hand. Uh, you still make the same money. In some cases, you're making even more money than some of the superstars. Uh, so for me, easy answer, I'd be the ace. Maybe a little biased as I was a pitcher all the, all the way through college. But, it, yeah, for me, I'd definitely rather be the ace. Uh, fake Matt Mummy, what is more likely to still be in business in northern Nevada 10 years from now? Steve Alford in the Wolfpack or the Sparks Tribune as a newspaper? <laughs> so second Sparks Tribune shout-out uh, of the show. The answer to this, uh, it's actually it's kind of an interesting question if you actually think about it uh, objectively. I would say I would. It's more likely that Steve Alford is still the head coach at Nevada, and by business I mean like still being relevant. I would say that's more likely than the Sparks should be and still being around. Uh, yeah. For a, a number of reasons, I won't get on into it on this podcast, but I fairly confident that's going to be what ends, ends up happening. Uh, John C. Fremont also asks if you were in the batter box against Ryan Anderson and he threw a hundred pitches to you. How many are you getting in play? I'm going to say less than five. In play, so between the foul lines. Well, okay, so do we, are we fielding a defense and like it, – okay. it, it doesn't matter the defense out there. You just uh, got to get it in every, play. Yeah, if we just got to get it in play, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to say less than ten. I, when, I don't know if you remember this. You came and pitched against us when I was – I think I would have been a sophomore. and You were up at PLU. Yeah. And – you were fanning guys on team. My eyes are not as good as they nearly used to be. That's when they kind of really started falling apart. If I had to go up in the box, no glasses on, I'm still confidently going to say less than 10 I get between the lines. <laughs> I was a PO in college. PO stands for pitcher only. I did not hit in college unless we threw a team shutout and then the pitchers got batting practice. That was always a big deal for us. Ah, man, I... I played third base in high school, so I was in the lineup for every game in high school. That was now a decade ago, which makes me very sad. Ten-year reunion this year. Oh, man. I, I would say in play, I, I would have the righty on lefty advantage, so I got the ball breaking into me, which would be which would help a little bit. I would say 15 I, I could get in play. There would be a lot of luck involved with that. Shop squad, not a hitting squad. <laughs> okay, let's get out of here on Random Reno. What did you find this week? I'm going a little south of Reno, but the regularly scheduled steam train round trips are about to start between Carson City Eastgate Depot and the Virginia sit in between Virginia City. It's going to start running on May 25th on Saturday. Uh, not so much a random fact, but just a regularly occurring every year thing. So if you like to get on the train, there's your random fact in case you didn't know that that train's getting started. Adam reporting some news this week. Look at you. Hey, where's Channel 4? Channel 2, I'm just doing my audition. <laughs> Lake Tahoe 
I, Here we I, go. There's so many Lake Tahoe facts. I'm just going to keep riding this train. Ooh, <laughs> train. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll ride it from uh, Carson down to Virginia, Virginia well. City. Uh, Lake Tahoe is 99.994% pure. How they calculate that, I have no idea. But that makes it one of the most pure lakes in the entire world. For comparison, I mean, the fact that it's one of the most pure lakes in the world isn't necessarily surprising. You maybe expect that considering how clear that lake is. For comparison, though, commercially distilled drinking water is 99.998% pure. Which led me to think, can you drink Lake Tahoe water? Like, does that actually have, would it, would it actually work? Would that cause problems for you? What's going on? I did some clicking around, and I was like 15 minutes down that wormhole. I couldn't find anyone give me an answer. So I'm just going to go with yes, because you're close. But if you do drink the, wa- the water and something bad happens to you, you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. A, that's a good way to put it. Take the liability off our, off our plate. <laughs> And that is our show this week. Thank you to all of you who continue to support this show. If you follow us on social, you know that last week was another huge week for us. We actually reached number two on iTunes for all college sports podcasts on Friday. So we are so appreciative of all of you who continue to listen to the show, share it on social media, tell your friends about it. We are grateful for every single one of you. Thank you to Nevada head baseball coach TJ Bruce for coming on the show. Thank you to all of you who left an iTunes review this week. Shout out to Curtis for winning the review of the week. Thank you to our incredible sponsors over at Silver Blue Outfitters, Tipsy Elves, Movement Nutrition, and Toyabi Golf Club. If you haven't left an iTunes review yet, make sure you do so this week for a chance to win two free rounds. We will award those at the start of next week's show. Please consider following and subscribing to the Reno Slant on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. We're just at the Reno Slant. You know we'll be back here next week, same time, same place. Nevada and Fresno State, first pitch, 6.30, Thursday night at Piccoli. Uh, Nevada will play at 2 o'clock on Friday with a loss or 6.30 on Friday night with a win. Hopefully, Nevada's playing at 6.30. Have a great, great weekend, you guys. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.